millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night podcast from TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure to be in your company. Make sure you subscribe to it. You can do it via iTunes. If you're looking for Fight Night by TalkSport, hit the subscribe button there. And if you're feeling really generous, write us a five-star review. You can also get your Android feeds on the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com. And I think it's only fair that I also plug all the other boxing uh, stuff that we do here at TalkSport as well. We've got our own specific YouTube channel where you can see that show from Spencer Oliver and Simon Jordan on a week-by-week basis where they discuss the big topics from the world of boxing. And of course, you're going to be tuning in on a Saturday night to me and Gareth doing the Fight Night Show. Now, if you you know are out and about and you miss out on the Fight Night Show, this podcast is available for you because we will bring you all the guests that we normally speak to on a week-by-week basis. Before we get to those guests at the weekend, I don't think it'll have passed you by that Chris Eubank Jr. was fighting. He was taking on Liam Smith. Now, many people had a different view of how this fight might play out. Points, either way was a lot of people's discussion. That's not how it finished. Here's how we reacted initially to the ending of that fight and crossed over to Spencer Oliver, who was live in Manchester with Joe Gallagher. Boys, that was absolutely insane. You know, Chris Eubank Jr. looked like he was getting hold of the contest the second round. First round, Gareth was right. It was nip and tuck. Second round, Eubank looked like he started to find his range. Third round, Eubank was letting dangerous uppercuts go and he was landing on Liam Smith. And if anything, I thought it looked like it was going to go the other way. Then mm. out of nowhere in the fourth round, Smith put a beautiful combination together, dropped Eubank Jr. heavily in the corner. He got up, the legs were completely gone. The referee could have stopped the fight then. He allowed him to continue. Another barrage of punches. Eubank was down again and he was in desperate trouble. Good stopper either. Um, good good stoppage there from the referee and they are going absolutely insane in here what an atmosphere and what a performance from Liam Smith no one expected him to do that you know I picked Liam Smith to win a tight contest Mm. and boy that was incredible what a performance from Smith weirdly there was big money wasn't there on Smith winning by stoppage in the sixth which none of us expected what there's a huge hematoma on uh, on the Eubank corner Junior's of face, on, yeah. on, on, on his right eye a massive hematoma coming up yeah um yeah. The, the finish was so dramatic we went quiet here in the studio rather than made a lot of noise because it just came out of the blue and Eubank's shaking his head now like he can't nobody's ever done it. that to him he's he, never he, that, nobody's yeah. ever done that to him yeah he and, and the truth is you know that he was actually trying to fight on when he got up and Howard Foster had called it off, but he didn't realise where he was. Boys, he was totally, totally yeah. gone. He was gone from the first knockdown. No one expected that. Listen, George Groves up at 168, you know, the much bigger guy, and we know yeah. how heavy-handed George Groves was. He couldn't do that to him. That was a sensational performance, and the right stoppage. To- uh, 
Eubank Jr. was totally gone. I'm watching it again here right on, the, on the big monitors, and he was totally gone. He done well, to be fair, to get up from that first one. But you know what, boys? He got up too soon. Mm. Inexperienced there because he's never had that. He's before. never been. That's never and happened to him. Never happened, and he went across the ring like a drunk man. His legs were totally gone, all over the place. He was allowed to continue, but boy, he was in desperate trouble. Wow, no one in here, 20,000 people, can actually believe this. They're all on their feet. The excitement is insane. What an atmosphere. What what happened, for people that are listening to the, to the radio right now, what happened was Liam Smith backed Eubank Jr. up into the neutral corner. And Eubank was in control, it seemed, of the round previous and that particular round. He's landed a massive uppercut with a, with a massive left uppercut. And as Eubank's head has rocked back down... Uh, Smith has landed a massive left hook right on the whiskers and it's and it's cleaned him out and as Spencer's just pointing to there his legs were gone absolutely gone totally gone the eye come up straight away I mean he done well to get to his feet he jumped up too soon but he was totally gone and the legs never came back from that first knockdown I could, I've got to be honest I can't believe what I've just witnessed. No, exactly. No. It's shocking. Looked, it looked like the tide was turning massively in Eubank's favour. The round before, he was landing the big uppercuts, and ironically, he gets done with an uppercut. Wow, what a turnaround. Liam Smith, tap yourself on the back, my friend, because that was a career-best performance in my eyes. What does this now mean for Eubank Jr. going forward? This is his weight division. Mate, I really don't know what this means now, you know. Listen, I think there's only one place for Eubank Jr. to go, one fight that would probably still capture the imagination. And then you guys, I listened to you on the show there talking about the mess yeah. that the situation of Connor Ben's in right now. You know, the, the boxing ball not really getting hold of it, the WBC not getting hold of it. It's a ridiculous situation we find ourselves in with this Conor Ben situation. He's failed two tests and no one really knows what is going on. But let me tell you, that fight could be closer now. If Eubank would have won this fight tonight, I believe he would have been boxing Triple G for the WBA middleweight title. Now he's lost. It's either career over, finished, or he chases that Conor Ben fight after Conor Ben sorts this mess out that he's actually in. So, who knows? But listen, I think it's going to be hard for him to come back from that. Can, can I just say as well, seeing that tonight is making me think a weight drain Chris Eubank against Conor Ben oh my with days. two positive tests. If that fight had gone ahead, yeah. can you imagine how we'd be feeling right now? Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm glad there's uh, great comport between... Yes, please, Spencer. Sorry, I'm just going to say, Gareth, you are on the money with that. Could you imagine Eubank Junior looked drained at 160? Yeah. Three pounds of fluid down to 157, which yeah. is what they Ben Camper holding him to. Mm. And after what we saw, after what come out, boys, I've got to say, that would have been disastrous or potentially disastrous. We don't need none of that in our sport. I'm glad that fight never materialised after what I've just seen there because I'm with you boys. I think he looked weight drained at 160. Yeah. We, we, we live in a sport of the unexpected, don't we? And we got it again tonight. We, no one expected, no one could have predicted that Liam Smith was going to clean, stop uh, Chris Eubank in that way and, you know, remove him from his senses in the fourth round of the fight. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Listen, Spence, I'll let you get off to see if you can catch a, a word with Liam Smith. Uh, in the aftermath of that, I know that he's addressing the crowd right now, so I'll let you get off uh, for that. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, amazing, absolutely amazing yeah, what we've just yeah. witnessed there uh, with uh, Liam Smith stopping Chris Eubank Jr. in the fourth round uh, in uh, in Manchester. Wow. Well, well I mean, it's <laughs> look, I thought Chris Eubank was win would win. I'm delighted for Liam Smith. Um, I, you know, apart from his world titles at 154 pounds that that is that is the the hugest win he will probably ever have yeah and and i'd like to see him call out cal brook here if cal brook wants to fight him he deserves another big fight after that it, it's mystifying how how chris eubank who has taken a lot of punches from much bigger fighters just went like that 
Um, I mean, you know, maybe maybe this is time for him to end. And it, it scuppers that fight with Conor Ben for now, in my view, if they do fight. Do we want to see a rematch? No, it doesn't need to be. No. He's just I blown just him away. If, yeah. I wondered if there will be a rematch. There doesn't need to be a rematch. I don't think there does either, but there is a clause. Just wanted to add that. Well, he's just completely blown him away. I think, as you just pointed out there, there's Kel Brook who's sniffing around the winner of that fight. Yeah. Um, you know, if Liam Smith wants to do something like that, then why not go and do that? But on that type of performance, Liam Smith, uh, there's a lot of life left uh, in him without any shadow of a doubt. That was a sensational performance against Chris Eubank Jr. I do fear for what Chris Eubank Jr. is going to do next Well, time. No, but if he's got the right to invoke a rematch clause, I'm sure he will. That's what I'm saying. I, I can't see him not wanting to invoke it. Uh, Chris, you're talking yeah, about, yeah. Yeah, Eubank, yeah. Hmm. Well, he, you know... <laughs> he will want to right or wrong there. He's going to go away and he's going to have to lick his wounds. No one's ever done that to him before. Um, you know, maybe all these years chasing those guys. I mean, as Spencer, I think Spencer was revealing there, he knew behind the scenes that there was going to be an announcement of a Golovkin fight, Gennady-Golovkin fight for Chris Eubank Jr. I mean, that is a that is huge. That's a huge loss to him mm. not to have that fight. Um. What, one thing that you guys just brought up there, um, having watched that fight, um, we can be incredibly thankful uh, that Sense prevailed in the build-up to the Conor Ben fight at the back end of last year. Obviously, yeah. that fight fell off uh, for various reasons. Um, and we know that uh, that fight was made at £157. So Chris Eubank Jr., who doesn't have anything on him at 160 uh, would have been three pounds lighter there. And when those big shots did land, those big, that left uppercut, that left uh, hook, when it landed, he was all over the place. And with all due respect, you, you having watched what Conor Ben's been doing to people recently, um, he would have probably done a very, very similar thing, a very ferocious puncher, very yeah, dangerous. Yeah, you know, we've seen this, you and I. I mean, I want to bring up Tony Ferguson in the UFC here where he did a weight cut where he wasn't having a fight and then he was never the same again, Yeah, um, having doing an immediate weight cut afterwards. And look, I know that that was October the 7th or whatever that Chris Eubank Jr. got to £159 or £157. I'm really, he looked terrible, emaciated in that yeah. photograph that he put out on his social media. I wonder whether that affected him. Um, but look, one punch, th this is a sport in which one punch can change everything. Um, and, and here it is. It's the right, that right hand, wasn't it? Boom. Vicious right hand. He's a bad man, is Liam Smith. Absolutely. And he proved it tonight. He's a bad man. And you and Spencer's so right. He got up so quickly there. Didn't, didn't know where he was. Give him, didn't give himself a chance to recover. Staggered across the ring. Victor Lochlin. I, I put out a tweet just now saying it was Howard Foster. It's Victor Lochlin in there with him, one of our greatest referees. And, and once Smith smelt blood saw that he, he was not letting up and it was a terrific barrage of punches. Look at look at Eubank all over the ring watching there. the replays. Yes, I agree. Should Shouldn't have, have allowed waved. it to carry on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Smith couldn't believe it. He had his hands in there. He was going, ref, what are you doing? And then a, another barrage, couple to the body, couple to the head, down he is again. Unbelievable. Uh, a truly uh, amazing night, actually, for, yeah. uh, for for everybody involved. We've had some great performances. We had a wonderful uh, Commonwealth title fight in the welterweight division a little earlier on between uh, Chris Congo and Esther Wilkerman. I'm going to go back and rewatch that because watching it in the studio, it felt draw-esque. Um, and a few people on social media have said a very similar thing. It was uh, Congo who got his hand raised in that particular fight. He did start very, very well. Richard Riakpo put in a wonderful performance against uh, Christoph Kulvaki and stopped him. In uh, in four rounds, I think it was, and then obviously tonight, uh, just in the main event, we've seen a four round finish. We uh, Liam Smith taking out Chris Eubank Jr. Wow, absolutely sensational, and it's uh, Liam Smith that gets uh, gets the victory as we just watching uh, the celebrations at the uh, at the back end of the fight. And I tell you what, one thing that I'd like to point out there in the celebrations at the back end of the fight, uh, Joe McNally, who is Liam Smith's corner, sensational, absolutely sensational, because Chris Eubank Jr. didn't know where he was; he was all over the place. He Trying actually to fight on. He actually he? wanted yeah. to fight yeah. on after the fight had been waved off. He tried to fight on, and Liam put his hands up. But then. And the Liam 
Liam was ready to go. Yeah, Liam was in fight mode. And uh, uh, Joe McNally, who is uh, Liam's head corner, was the person that jumped right in the way mm-hmm. of it and, mm-hmm. and got... Picked him up. And he got Chris lifted U- him out yeah, of the way. got Chris Eubank Jr. out yeah. of the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sensational, sensational corner work, keeping uh, everybody safe in that particular moment. Uh, hopefully, we will get some words uh, from uh, those that are, uh, that are ringside uh, from Manchester, as Spencer Oliver uh, is, uh, is up there. Fingers crossed getting to speak to uh, Ben Shalom or maybe even Liam Smith off the back of uh, that fantastic victory. But from a Liam Smith point of view, my days, that opens up some uh, stories, doesn't it? At 160. You do that on a, on a major platform like Sky Sports Box Office tonight against the big player in Chris Eubank Jr. The doors are well and truly wide open. I won't be surprised if he's starting to shout, why don't I have a little bit of a go with Gennady Golovkin? I was about to say that. What I mean, you know, he's with that same um, promotional group with Ben Shalom and Boxer. Why not ask for that fight? It's, it's, this this fight with Eubank, remember, is very delayed. This was happening over a year ago, and and, and Eubank went obviously to fight Conor Ben, went with Eddie Hearn and DAZN, switched allegiances. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see him in against any of them at middleweight. You know, um, Jamal Charlo, Janibek, um, Alim Kanuli. Why not any any of them? He, look. He, he is going to get um, a massive ranking off that. Chris Eubank was ranked two with the WBC, two with the WBO, uh, and five uh, with the WBA. So that that puts Liam in, and, and the manner in which he's done it as well, Adam, puts him in the spotlight and on centre stage if they want to go out and get one of these guys. And we are at a time when you can bring those names to the UK and fill out big big stadiums, as Bob Arum told us earlier, as, as, as Robert Smith of Boxing Border Control is telling us, we've never had a time like this when world champions from around the world are coming here to fight our guys. I know we're going to talk about it towards the end of the show and all next week because we're there at Wembley uh, Arena with uh, Arthur Betabiev and uh, Anthony Yard, our own Anthony Yard from London. Three world light heavyweight titles on the line. You know, Liam Smith could easily draw one of those world champions here right now. It's big time. If they took it to Liverpool, they could make it massive. His popularity right now, tomorrow and onwards, is going to go through the roof because he's put away a name there and he's made a name for himself. Uh, Spencer Oliver's up in Manchester. He's witnessed it first hand. Spence, obviously the dust has settled just a touch now. Have you have you been able to comprehend what you've just witnessed? No, boys, I've got to tell you, I am still struggling to soak this in. If I'm totally honest, you know, when you just sort of like try and process it and... I just didn't expect it to go, obviously, the way that it did, like none of us did, like none of us did. Now, I've actually been joined by Joe Gallagher, who's worked along with Liam Smith in the past and yeah. knows him very, very well. Joe, I've got to ask you, mate, did you expect that? I said to lots of people here tonight, 160 isn't a problem from Liam Smith tonight. Once he gets in the ring, he's bad. Callum Smith is bad. Top fighters all over the years, and it showed that tonight. Early on, Liam landed a good shot on Eubank, and I thought Eubank didn't like that. But the manner in which he finished him, caught him, executed, devastating punches. And for anyone that put Liam Smith earlier, they've had a good win for tonight. I think it was 28 to 1 that round. Uh, for Liam Smith to win, and no one, everyone was saying, Eubank by, Eubank by KO and Smith by points. No one was expecting that, but what an atmosphere and what a fight. And um, so pleased, Liam Smith and Chris Bennett, Eubank Jr. What a six months for him. Supposed to be fighting Conor Ben in a huge showdown. That fell apart, and here he's at Manchester Arena now with his career in tatters. It is absolutely insane. Actually, I had someone that had a bet and won in a fourth round knockout. I thought he was absolutely insane putting the bet on. And he's come true. Joe Gallagher, you know, always believed it. He thought that he would be better up at 160. Liam actually told me through the week that, um, you know, that 160 suited him now at this stage. And that become evident straight away. I mean, Joey, it looked like Eubank was actually getting into a rhythm round three. He was landing the big uppercuts, and I thought, actually, Eubank looks like he's getting hold of this. And then all of a sudden, Liam, ironically, nails him with the uppercut. And then when we know that he looked hurt, Eubank, he hit him with a left hook, right hand, and he was never going to recover from that, was he? No, it was a, it was a very um, cagey first round, and then fought round two, Eubank Jr. came out, and he's arrived in the fight. Round three, he was getting his jab off, landing right uppercuts, landing right hooks. But all the time, Liam was like being patient, being patient, waiting his time. He knew it was a 12-round fight. And, that, and, and th- what I'm really pleased for Liam Smith tonight, everyone's always said he just hands up, comes forward. He hasn't. He's got a great boxing IQ. He timed the shots to perfection. The finishing left uppercut, left hook. 
and then to finish him with a right hand, very similar to Donald Curry when he did Milton McCrory to finish the job. And Victor Lachlan didn't even bother with the count when Chris Eubank rose to his feet on the second one. So I'm really pleased for Liam Smith tonight, him and his family. And looking at Liam Smith, maybe 33, 34, but there's still big nights ahead for him. Joe, do you think finally that he can capture a world title at 160? You know, there's a fight there that he's probably been chasing now. A lot of people say Triple G, that could be the right time against Murata. There looked like some vulnerabilities there when he boxed Murata. And he did look slow and ponderous at times. Do you think that's a good fight for Liam Smith now? Yeah, definitely. I think Liam's already been a world champion. It's a chance to influence our new division from a two-time world champion, a two-weight world champion. And he's on a roll, obviously, had the win over Fowler. Then he's been over to America and bought Vargas. Now he's beat Chris Eubank Jr. in spectacular fashion here. Will Chris Eubank Jr. want the rematch? Will he want to go to Anfield? How can you have a rematch? That win was emphatic. There's no, there's no doubt whatsoever. Could Chris Eubank Jr. do anything different? No, I don't think so. I think Liam Smith now has to look forward. And if it is Triple G, yeah, it may be all about the time and spend. As you know, timing and boxing. Triple G had a hard fight with Canelo Alvarez. Will he have an appetite for Liam Smith? Can he get himself up for Liam Smith? We don't know. But can Liam Smith get himself up for Triple G? Yes, he can. You've seen when he walked down that platform tonight towards the ring. Liam Smith, he was in his element. There was a sparkle in his eye. And he was like, yeah, come on, let's have it. Joe, thanks so much, mate, for your time. Always a pleasure. Great breakdown of the fight there, and we'll speak soon. Boys, that was that was Joe Gallagher there, just giving us a little breakdown on, on the fight itself, and I thought he was pretty bang on, actually. Uh, listen, absolutely, and I think your analysis of it a little earlier on, Spence, was bang on too, because Chris Eubank Jr. was establishing himself in the fight. The first round was nip and tuck. I thought he got the range off in the second and third, and he looked like he was landing those uppercuts at will, because... Liam Smith, as everybody knows, has that high guard. He comes forward and therefore leads himself quite open to uppercuts. And if you if you know what you're doing, you can time him on the way in. And that's exactly what Eubank Jr. was doing. And this, the fourth round started off exactly how the third round finished. And then all of a sudden, one shot just opened the door for Liam Smith. And my word, did he finish. He went through the gears. He went from 0 to 60 in a matter of seconds, and he was landing at will, timing yeah. Eubank Jr. He yeah. took him clean out. It was out. brilliant. No, he, 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 he sent victory. He scented victory, and he smelt for the kill. Uh, he smelt the kill, and he went after it. One of the things that I thought Joe Gallagher was spot on about there, um, you know, I mentioned will Chris Eubank's ego, will the loss want him to, to, to invoke the rematch clause? As Joe said, um, if I was advising Liam now, he just moves on after this fight and he finds another fight. There's no need to fight Eubank again. I don't think he will. No, absolutely not. The, well, I don't think... The, the big... What you do now if you are Liam Smith, the, 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 this game's Golovkin. about momentum. Yeah, this game's about momentum. Bring you him to Liverpool. You have just done something massive. Yeah. And therefore... There'll be world champions now who are looking for maybe easy defences, easy routes, or what they think is easy defences and easy routes. They'll look at Liam Smith and they'll think, all oh, right, he's just done Chris Eubank Jr. There's a bit of smoke behind him. Brilliant. We can go to the UK. We can fight on that big platform, Sky Sports, and we can make ourselves a few easy coins. Sound, go and make the fight. And from a Liam Smith point of view, what a wonderful opportunity to have one last throw at a world title. Well, he's also, there's a guy called Jamel Charlo, who, who is the undisputed title holder, remember, at 154. Liam is still ranked 3, 4, 5 and 2 with the four sanctioning bodies at 154 pounds. I know he's going to feel more comfortable and have more tensile strength with that extra 6 pounds. He's 34, isn't he? You know? Yeah. But, hey... What's wrong with having got an undisputed title um, with Jamal Charlo? Could we get him over here? You know, it's an ask, but again, it's doable. It's a great night for him. Make it a big occasion. You know, is it, he's a Liverpool fan, isn't he? Who? Charlo? No, Liam Smith. <laughs> Liam's yeah, a Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Could we finally get that big fight at Anfield? I don't you know. know. I don't know if Charlo... With all due respect to him, listen, in boxing circles, we know exactly who he is. Undisputed champion at 154. His brother's at 160. I don't think his brother's fought for a... 18 months or something like that but there's opportunities there at either of those weights um, we were talking about building earlier with the Misfits yeah here's a massive opportunity that if they don't build with this they're making a huge yeah but mistake. they build for me they build with Golovkin Golovkin's the name okay yeah no no I'm saying an alternative I think a Golovkin fight's terrific I, I still think I probably pick Golovkin to beat Smith yeah. I hope I'm wrong again 
Yeah, but I think the majority of people would yeah, absolutely yeah, say that. And yeah. it, it kind of makes a lot of sense for Golovkin where well, he's at. It does. It does. Right he's now. fought here before. Um, wow. Big night. Yeah. Big night. British boxing. Like I said, when you make good fights, good things happen. Loads of great talking points come off the back of that. And obviously, we don't know now where this is going to go over the next two to three months. But look at the options wide open uh, for Liam Smith. Don't know where Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, goes uh, from here. Um, but I'd tell you something. What a blooming night that is. Yeah. And next weekend, we've got an even better one lined up for you as the Unified Light Heavyweight Championships are on the line, live and exclusive on TalkSport, as Arta Baterbiev hits British soil, first time since 2012, taking on Anthony Yard. Is that a precursor of next weekend that something strange is going to happen? Anthony Yard needs to look at that and exactly. think, that's how I do it. Exactly. Very. I agree with you. That could be a wait, blueprint there. Patience, wait for your yeah. moment, and when you get the moment, you go, and you yeah. throw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah. Wowzer. <laughs> So there you have it. Liam Smith stops Chris Eubank Jr. in four rounds. What next for him? Big Anfield showdown? World title fight? A money fight with Kell Brook? Oof, the world is his oyster. And when that news breaks, we'll keep you up to date with it here on Talk Sports. Uh, now then, off the back of uh, Spencer Oliver speaking to the who's who, he managed to stick the microphone in the face of the WBC Heavyweight champion of the world. That's right. Tyson Fury was in attendance in Manchester and as well as obviously maybe giving us a bit of a preview of what was to come on the night, he also spoke about his upcoming fight with Alexander Usyk and how close it actually is. Well, Tyson, great to see you here. Big night of boxing. How do you see it going? I think it's a really good fight for British boxing. Um, they're both at the stage of the careers where it's a must win for either fighter to go on or go home type of thing. Um, I think it's a good fight, you know, it's a 50-50 fight and uh, they're in for a real uh, treat. And what I want to say is, though, it's good luck to the both fighters and may the best man win. Yeah, brilliant. Listen, let's talk about yourself, Alexander Usyk. We're getting close now. Is it March? Is it April? Well, I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm trying to make that fight in the century next. So you're hoping for that next, and there's been talk of you maybe doing a little crossover as well? Yeah, there is. Um, maybe a, a fight Francis Ngannou in a cage, four-ounce gloves, Queensbury rules, badass referee like Mike Tyson. <laughs> Who'd not want to watch that? Listen, anything can happen, you know? Absolutely. Tyson Fury, anything can happen. It really is. You're always looking to push the boundaries, do something Literally, different. I have done songs, I've done books, I've done boxing, I've done Netflix, I've done ITV docs. The only thing left is now a hybrid fight, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I, there's been talk recently from Eddie Hearn saying that he really wants to push this Anthony Joshua fight this year. You know, we thought we was trying, you was trying to get it over the line now for the last couple of years. It hasn't happened. Do you believe it happened this year? Not interested. Not interested. I'm looking for the fight in the century against Usyk. Or if not, the baddest man on the planet fight against Francis Ngannou. Either one of them two. That's what I'm looking for. Brilliant. Um, let's move on to your brother, Tommy Fury. Yeah. Fight's been announced with Jake Paul. 25th of February, is that right? That, has it been announced? Has well, it? I, I saw the dates. That's when yeah, they're, I, I they're proposing. Saying, but I don't think it's been officially announced. Okay. But it's I hear announcements imminent. Um, so it's, they're finally getting it on. They're going to throw down and the uh, the two the two uh, YouTube people get to battle it out for the king of the YouTubers. Well, listen. Jake Paul's been very vocal about wanting to fight Tommy. Yeah. The fight hasn't materialised. Now we finally get it. It's going to be good. Listen, it's going to be fun. Um, and I expect Tommy to chin him. And if he doesn't, he can stay in Saudi Arabia. Brilliant. Tyson, always a pleasure, mate. Thanks so much for your time. Cheers, mate. All the best. Big shout out to Sport. Come on! Further to that, one man that can give us a little bit more information on the upcoming fight between Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk is Bob Arum. And Gareth A. Davis caught up with him. Well, I think the fighters want to fight each other. The question is where, and the question is under what terms. If the fight ends up in Saudi Arabia, each fighter will make uh, his deal uh, with the Saudis. I think uh, Usyk people tell me that they have a deal that they're satisfied with. And now, if the Saudis are truly interested, they'll make a deal with us for Tyson Fury, and we're off to the races. Is it, so So there's no deadline on this being uh, made? Next week. 
next week, <laughs> next week, next week, because I'm going over to London uh, the following week uh, for the uh, Better Be Off Yard fight. Yeah. And so I'll be uh, liaison in person with Frank and George, and we'll make whatever alternate arrangements we have to. And when you say alternate arrangements, alternatives, um, Wembley or do it in do it in Wembley. Yeah. So, so a UK stadium in April is still viable. Yes, I think so. Does this fight have to get made between these two men? Should we be seeing an undisputed title right now? Well, I think everybody on both sides wants to do it. There's no question about it. Hopefully. It'll get done. If not, I think Fury has a number of options, one of whom is Joe Joyce, which would be a massive fight uh, in the UK. Can I ask you about another British heavyweight, Anthony Joshua? There's talk about him taking a tune-up against a, uh, an Australian, Dempsey McKean, who's fifth ranked 50 in the world. Given Joshua has had two tough years when he's lost twice to Usyk, if you were handling him, would you give him a gimme, a knockout gimme, just to get his confidence back? Again, I don't really arrogate myself in that position because I don't handle Joshua. That's a question you can ask uh, Eddie Hearn. Mm. I mean, really, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do or what not to do. You know, it's up to him. Would you like to see Fury more active? He talked about three fights this year. Would you like to see him in three fights? Absolutely. Fury is a great, great entertainer. He's a great attraction. And to have him fight only twice a year is a waste. Remember, an athlete uh, has just uh, a limited time. So he should make hay uh, while he is still active. And I'd like Fury, if it's possible to fight three or four times a year. Why not? He's a great, great entertainer, great attraction, and he'll draw massive crowds whenever he fights. Is, is Joshua Fury still a big fight, by the way? I think Joshua Fury, if it happens, would be a big fight. If Fury gets himself together and gets a couple of victories, it would you mean, be a you good mean, fight. You mean Joshua? You mean Joshua, yeah. yeah. I mean Joshua, I'm sorry. If Joshua... Uh, pulls himself together, yeah. uh, it would be a big fight. I don't know if Fury Joshua would be any bigger than Fury Joe Joyce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so everybody wants to see Joe Joyce in against both both um, Tyson Fury, believe it or not, and Deontay Wilder, people are calling for against Joe Joyce. That would be... That would Durante Wilder is a hell of a fighter, very dangerous, yeah, tremendous yeah. puncher. Yeah, yeah. And that would be really good. It, the fight would do a lot better in the UK than it do, would in the United States, where things are. But again, yeah, uh, Wilder, uh, if he wants to make really good money, uh, should come over to the UK and fight whomever is available, whether it's Joshua or uh, Joe Joyce yeah. or Dubois, if the, when Dubois uh, recovers from uh, what's ailing his knee. Uh, so, you know, a lot of good fights and a lot of good heavyweights. We have some pretty decent heavyweights fighting tomorrow night. Uh, F.A. Jackson's on, isn't he? Yeah. Against uh, Sam Shaw, yeah, that's a really good fight. But and lurking out there, he'll be fighting in March, and we're going to keep him real busy. Is the guy I think will ultimately succeed Fury, and that's Jared Anderson. In attendance at the weekend was the General Secretary of the British Boxing Board of Control, Robert Smith. Gareth A. Davis caught up with him to talk about a big year ahead for British boxing. I think that uh, you look at the fights coming up, everybody moans about the fights can't be made, but you look at the fights coming up over the next few months, is great. We had a really good year with regard to shows, obviously a few disputes along the way, but with regard to shows and contests last year. But this year looks really good, so I'm really pleased. 
Obviously, we have um, Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith uh, tonight. Um, there was a, a statement issued by the Boxing and Border Control yesterday from yourself. Obviously, that there is that there's a there's a conduct hearing over what the two men, Eubank and Smith, said to each other at the press conference on Wednesday. I'm using the expression homophobic slurs and accusations of cheating one way and the other. What's your take on um, what the two men were saying to each other on Saturday night? And how will that be viewed uh, on Thursday night? How will that be viewed by by the stewards when they sit down? Well, I think that um, the comments were unacceptable um, in any walk of life, not just in boxing. Um, and obviously, we put something out very quickly yesterday. Um, and uh, we will deal with it as soon as we can. Just want to get the contest out of the way. So we'll take it all on board and see what's said. Let, 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 let's see what they say. But I think, and you know as well as I do, Gareth, it's very difficult when they, these press conferences, the, people, the promoters want to say this and say that. So we'd have to speak to the promoter as well, which I've briefly spoken to. But um, no, you know, it was not the right thing to say, and therefore we've got to deal with it. We're waiting to hear when and if Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk will meet for the undisputed heavyweight title. Um, would you like to see it at Wembley rather than in the Middle East? Obviously, both are being talked about, Wembley Stadium or the Middle East. What's the economic impact for us having it in the UK? Does it massively benefit you and British boxing if it happens in the UK? Well, obviously, I'd love it in London. Um, yeah. I, th I think it deserves to go to Wembley. Um, Mr. Yusek is very happy to come here. He'd be very successful in Great Britain with his Olympic medals and winning world titles, etc. And I think he's very happy to come here. Um, I think with regard to promoters, etc., it becomes a economic situation um, where we, which we really don't have any benefit. But obviously... Um, if it is here, everybody has a benefit. The shops have a benefit, the pubs have a benefit, the hotels have a benefit. So I think it would be really great if it could come to Great Britain. Um, and it, I think it deserves to come to Great Britain because, you know, the boxing fans here are the best in the world. Um, they, they're very knowledgeable. Um, with all due respect to the Middle East, it's a new sport in the Middle East. Gen, you know, ultimately, it's a new sport. Boxing fans there maybe not know as much as we do over here. Obviously, our fans will go over because it's such a good fight um, or a good contest. But uh, of course, I'd like it in Great Britain. And uh, I've spoken to Frank Warren, but he's the man who's going to make the choice where it's going to go. And that's going to be financial. What do we do about the Olympic Games being withheld from the Olympics in Los Angeles in 2028? What's your take on that? And what should we do about it? I think that would be a disaster. Um, but behind the scenes... Uh, which I don't want to go too much into, people are contacting the, uh, 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 the Olympic Committee with regard to that. Um, I don't know too much about how the amateur world body is run because they don't really speak to us at all. But there is communication with the Olympic organisations and I hope that I'm, I'm fairly sure. I think it will be OK, but I think it may be uh, regulated a bit differently, uh, which is not a bad thing. You know, these things happen. So, uh, but I, I think it would be a disaster for the sport. Conor Ben and Chris Eubank, obviously hugely in the news last year over the October 8th fight, which was uh, called off, of course, in the interest of boxing after Conor Ben, uh, well, certainly in the, in, the, in, the, in the first instance, tested positive for homophene. Obviously, we know it's twice now that that happened, uh, a banned PED. Um, where, where is... The boxing board, just tell me where you are with the boxing board and you, Cad. Well, obviously, I can't say too much because there's a lot of legal things going on. Uh, however, the information we require, we haven't received um, for whatever reason. Uh, Mr. Ben's legal team uh, have decided. We're waiting. I understand they've sent a document to the WBC. Uh, we have not seen that document. The WBC do not license boxers. They just sanction championship fights. So... If that's the way they want to go, it doesn't make any difference to us. We will wait to see what they say, uh, but we will do our own investigations when we get the information we require. One of those British fighters that are in big fights this year is Lee Wood. 
He's taking on Maurizio Lara for the WBA Featherweight Championship of the World. Nottingham, the destination, February 18th, the date. What a fight. Probably the best fight that has been made so far on British soil. And I'm even including this weekend's showdown because that's an absolute firecracker as well. Let's get a few words from Lee Wood because he came to join us on the show at the weekend to preview that monster fight. When you win a title, you want to defend it. Um, and even without the titles on the line, you know, as a fighter, you want to be active, you want to be busy. What well, I do anyway, I'm not sure about other fighters, but I want to be as busy as I can, three or four fights a year minimum. Um, so when I defended my title back in March, uh, which ended up getting fight of the year, numerous organisations, you know, I wanted to keep that momentum and keep the ball rolling. And that didn't happen because of uh, the belt situation. And then I'm a fighting him, I'm not. No, you can fight someone else. Okay, I went to fight someone else and picked up an injury. So, you know, Frustrating time, but um, at the same time, so one fight, one win, uh, and a good one at that. Yeah, and sense seems to have prevailed now, obviously, with Leo, like, obviously being stripped, moved on, you've been upgraded, and now we're rocking and rolling in this division. Firstly, how's the injury? Because obviously that happened at the back end of the year, this fight with Maurizio Laura was booked for last year, but you ended up getting injured. So what's the situation there, mate? Everything healthy now? Yeah, it was only a, a very small tear in my bicep. Um, I needed three full weeks rest and a tiny, a tiny bit of rehab. Um, it was good to go. So, yeah, frustrating. Just the timing of the injury, right before the fight, I wouldn't mean about to have three weeks or whatever it was, no sparring and no pads. It just wasn't possible. But, yeah, everything's 100%. Um, it was for a while. It has been for a while now. And um, I'm, I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. Um, I'm ready to rock and roll, to be honest. Now, this is where I give you the pat on the back, mate, right? Because there's too many people that hold championship belts in this world, in my opinion, that maybe look for uh, easy defences, easy routes, just a little bit of a party in front of the home fans and all that type of thing. And listen, I'm not going to begrudge anybody that because that's how the game of boxing sets up. What I want, though, I want my champions to be taking on the very toughest of tests. And I've said this on, se- on on several different platforms. I understand that fans will say, oh, Lee Wood's taking a risky one there with Maurizio Lara. Give your head a wobble. This is what boxing's supposed to look like. We're supposed to be taking on the very best fighters that are available to us. This is a must, must-see fight. Talk to me about your mentality of this. You've just been speaking about wanting to take the best fights, the, the, the biggest challenges. Talk to me about that, because not a lot of people do do it, mate. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's... um. It's something I think should happen more often. And if it was up to me, you know, every fighter's next fight would be picked by the public. Um, and what a sport it would be, you know. You'd, you'd get the public public's demand being fulfilled all the time and the fighters just do what they do and what they're supposed to do, which is fight. No politics, um, no messing about. Look at all the best fights we've had or we're still waiting for that didn't happen or happened too late, you know. Mm. That's not what boxing's about. That's not what you should get into boxing for, you know. You want to test yourself. You want to be the best you can be. And if you're not good enough, you drop back down to that next level and you have a brilliant fight with someone else and you win that and you're back up there. We've waxed lyrical about you in the last couple of months because of the fight with Michael Conlon. Many people, it must have been rewarding to you in exactly what we're talking to right now, which is people, so many people saying it was the fight of the year Mm -hmm. last year. That must be very rewarding for you. And of course, you came out the right end of it. So it must be nice for people to be mentioning they see that as their fight of the year in 2022, Lee. Yeah, it is. It is nice, especially coming through fight of the year and winning fight of the year. Yeah, being, being, uh, <laughs> exactly. Being the winner and not the loser of that fight, you know. But even so, I get tagged in that every single day. I think I posted a video on my Instagram. It's got three million views just from um, the highlights of the fight. You know, it is nice to get. But at the same time, I've seen that knockout so many times. I've been tagged in it so many times. I'm ready for a new one. Okay, well, that's that's good. Let me just rewind 10 years for you as well. You're 34 now, I think. When you were 24, right, Hull Ice Arena, and you lost to Gavin McDonnell. It was at Super Bantam. Going old school now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. Going oh, uh, Hull, 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 Hull Ice Arena. Yeah. Did you ever believe back then, a decade ago, <clears throat> that you'd be where you are now? I always believed in myself. I always... Um, that, that, some people may say I'm stupid, you know. I wouldn't wouldn't change anything that's happened in my career. Um, but the lowest, probably the lowest time in my life and my career was probably when I was just turned 30. Nothing was happening. Mm. Um, I had loads of things in my personal life go off. I had things in my professional life. I left my gym. I left my manager. And I literally left my gym to start afresh. And, um, and at 30 years old, I was, people were telling me, you know, you should get a job. You should do this. And I was just like, you could say, I was like, no, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to set out to do in boxing. I'm not quitting 
until I've done it. Um, you know, I wanted to win that British title and, um, you know, when I went and did it and didn't look back and, you know, teamed up with Ben Daniel and um, completely revitalised me, ch- changed me, ironed out all my creases that I had and, and now um, I've proved I am world level and, um, you know, I'm going to go out again in, in Feb- on February 18th and prove that I'm not just world level, you know, I am elite. I lost to Dickens and then that kind of made me shake up my, my training side of things and um, I I'm, I'm paired up with Ben and then won the British, won the world, defended it. How, how much is Ben's analytical approach? Because he is very analytical as a trainer. How much has his approach benefited you, that style? I won't, I won't be here without him. I know for a fact I won't be here without him. Um, the, the way we operate, the way, I, the way I box and the way he teaches is yeah. just told so well, you know. Um, and Lee Wiley as well, part part of the team, and, and Barry does his bit as well. Big Barry, like, Big Bezzo. Yeah, that's it. Without all these guys, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have won the world title fight. I may have won the British, would have made it hard work, but I definitely wouldn't have won the world title, and I definitely wouldn't have won the Conlon fight um, without my team. Well, the, just on the Conlon fight, because fights like that, you've got to change that mid-fight. I, I talk about this quite a lot when I'm speaking about football, in-game management, and it's the same in boxing. Certain That first round couldn't have gone any worse for you. Let's be straight. <laughs> You're on your backside in front of your own fans, and you think to yourself, what the flipping heck's going on here? I'm supposed to be the guy with the power. What's going on? But you've got you've got to find a way within fights. Now, Plan A was, wasn't working, and that must give you and your team an incredible amount of confidence now going forward. Yeah, and that fight, it wasn't so much, right, my plan didn't work, let's try something else. It was, I got caught with a shot I shouldn't have got caught with, I shouldn't have been parrying. I got I told not to be parrying single shots like that. I did, I got caught with it, but I stuck to the game plan. And the game plan was to do certain things, press the press the pace and catch them in the championship rounds. Yeah. And even though I had the worst start that I could have possibly had, I still got up, I bit down, I had a few shaky rounds, but I stuck to the game plan. And... Um, Ben was very good in the corner. He kept composure. I think I came back after the first round and, I, and, and he told me some instructions and I went, and I said, whoa, whoa, slow down, tell me again because <laughs> it felt like lightning. My he ears are still ringing. Yeah. He, told, he told me again, he said, look, don't be parrying, uh, you know, change your height, um, block, to open the distance up. You know, and I went out there that second round and uh, got caught with the same shot again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, eventually I made changes and, um, you know, it worked. It did indeed. It was an absolute war and one we'll never forget. Talk to us about Mauricio Lara. Um, you, you are, you've been labelled the underdog in this fight. Obviously, you're defending champion. Um, Lara brings special things. Arguably, it's going to be one of your toughest nights, but he also fights in a way that's going to give you openings as well because he doesn't hold back and he does fall in a little mm. with his shots. Yeah, he is. He is uh, very dangerous, but at the same time, the same thing that makes him dangerous makes him reckless and makes yeah. him vulnerable. Um, I believe I am definitely up there in the top five pound for pound punches in my weight, if not one or two, you know. Um, and I don't know why I keep getting overlooked. I don't know why I'm still doing dogging all these fights, every mm-hmm. fight that I go into, but it could be a blessing. I believe he's overlooking me. I feel like he thought I wouldn't take this fight after I got my injury. He probably thought I was going to look somewhere else. That's mm-hmm. probably why he tried to go me in. Um, so I, I do believe he thinks he, he's coming here and it's going to be a pushover. Um, he's in for a big shock, a really big shock. I believe this style suits me. My team believe this style suits me 10 times better than the Conlon fight, which is a, a disaster for me stylistically. Mm. You've got the best amateur um, boxer male that Britain's ever produced. Um, you know, only, only two people have won that world amateur championships and he was one of them. So stylistically, you know, that was bad for me. This is someone that suits me down to a T and um, I can't wait to uh, show everyone and um, upset the odds again uh, um, Listen I'm, I know that um, you have ambitions of stadiums let's just I'm not going to go into it too much but you are fighting in front of your home fans that night with Michael was incredibly special the atmosphere was ridiculous you must be extremely excited that this particular fight got made again back in your hometown yeah, it was a special night against Conlon. The atmosphere was really good. It was it was my fans, we his fans all night. Um, but I do believe this fight is going to be 99.99%. My Nottingham faithfuls, it's going to be loud. Um, they're going to raise the roof. It's going to be in perfect harmony. It's going to be a very special atmosphere. And um, one that hopefully next time out will be um, my dream fight. 
around the corner as well. well. I think it is, isn't it? Let's let's be straight. If you do a number on this guy in spectacular fashion, then it sets up the stadium fight. And whether that's against mm-hmm. Michael, whether it's against Josh, whoever it's against, it's there, mate. It's there. You're on, you're on the cusp of something very special. I do hope. I do hope so. Um, back in 2020 or 20, I think it was 21. Sorry. Yeah. Um, after they lost to Dickens, I did an interview for Not TV and. Um, they said, you know, what do you want to do? What's happening? And I said, look, there's, there's three things left in my career I want to do, which if someone watched that now, well, back then, when I'm just coming off a defeat, that that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I said, you know, the first thing is I want to win a British title. I've always wanted to win one since holding Nicky Booth. The second thing is box four and hopefully win a world title. And the third thing is to headline at the city ground and them two will probably tie in. And, um, you know, I've done two of them, three things, and I've got one more thing to do and um, I'm not going anywhere till it's done. There you have it. Do not miss that one. Feb 18th. And I'll tell you what else you shouldn't be missing either. This weekend, light heavyweight world championships, the unification of that division. We have the unified champion, Artur Baturbiev, on British soil. First time he's been here since 2012 in the Olympic Games. And he's taking on our hopeful in Anthony Yard. It will be a shootout. This is not going the distance. There. I've given it the kiss of death, but I don't think it is. And you're going to hear it live and exclusive on TalkSport. So make sure you come and join us this Saturday night for this absolute barnstormer. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can do it on iTunes. You can also do it on the website, TalkSport.com. And I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along, and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.